You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin today by calling in the spirits to gather around us, Um, whether today is the day you're listening or some other today. Nonetheless, the spirits are with us outside of time and space. So I call out to our ancestors. I call out to all of those who bring that which is good and true and beautiful into our lives. Those people who lived well and died well, no matter the challenges of their time. I call out to those ancestors that we might receive the legacy of those who have gone before us, that we might learn from them, that we might hear their whispers when they say, "Mm, not that path, I took it, it wasn't good. So we call out to these ancestors to be with us here today, to hold us well, that we might come to understand one of the deep and powerful processes that is moving in our lives today, the process of the wounded healer. We call out to those ancestors who walked this path and who became healers themselves, not necessarily healers serving others, but understood the energy of the healer within themselves and committed their lives to that energy, not the shadow, the wounded healer. So we call out to those who understood the energy of healing and who walked here before us to bring that collective wisdom to us. And we call out to the energy of the earth below and we give thanks to her for her dreaming for the beauty of this day and for the wonder and miracle of life. And we give thanks to the earth, for it is in her dream of life that we are all given these bodies that know how to heal. No one understands why the body heals. We understand perhaps how to assist it. But the body heals if we just get out of the way, the body goes toward healing, as does the earth. And we give thanks to the earth for this particular miracle in life. We give thanks for the fact that it operates whether we understand it or not. And thanks for her for her deep, deep wisdom in dreaming this into the plan. So we give thanks to the earth for this place. In all of its beauty and wonder and sadness and sorrow and joys. We give thanks for all that has been that has brought us to this moment. For all that is and all that will be. We give thanks for home, for groundedness and belonging. And we give thanks for the interconnectedness of all things. And through that, we give thanks to the oneness of life. May we move in this day with that awareness and know that we are part of all that is. And with our feet firmly planted in the earth, the ancestors gathered round. Let us reach up through our bodies, through the sky, out through the cosmos, and all the way to the highest power of the universe. And by whatever name you choose to call that power, by whatever concept you understand it, let us call that highest power into yourself, into your day, and into these proceedings, that we might feel the innate energy of protection that comes to us from these energies above, that we might feel inspired into true young expressions of ourself in this day, 
that we might feel the blessings of this day and the generosity and the benevolence that is innate in our universe. May we call out to these energies to join us, to come into our bodies so the energy of the sky above can meet in that great love from which all form as we understand it is born. So that sky above can meet the earth from below within ourselves and we might feel that dance within us and know that we are all children of this loving relationship. And we are all children of this relationship of wholeness, for neither can exist without the other in the balance of the Tao, of the yin and the yang. And so with this energy within us and the ancestors gathered round, let us reach out with courage and call in the energy of the heart. And let the heart be the crucible of change here today, drawing up the fiery passions of our bellies that carry within them the knowing of why we are here. Let us draw down the energy of mind and cast out all of its weird ideas of why we are here and let the mind simply bring clarity, discernment, precision, inspiration that we might discover as these two energies are mixed together, the truth, the deeper truth of why we are here and feel the courage in our heart to act, to bring our gifts out into the world and to express our true selves in this day. So with the spirits gathered round, I give thanks. I ask that we are held well on this day, that what needs to be said is said and what needs to be heard can be heard and that we all go forward in a way that is good for all living things. I also want to give thanks to Beck and to Indrik and to Jennifer and to all the listeners who have donated to the show. If you find this show has been meaningful for you in any way, even if that is a meaning of irritation, that is beautiful. So if this show has moved you in any way, if it means something to you in any way, I ask that you allow yourself to be moved by the heart into action. And you are um, able to easily donate to the show, to support it, to keep it on the air, live and free. Um, You can go to whyshamanismnow.com and click the support button where you are free to donate any amount, um, large or small. If you are uncomfortable paying uh, through electronic means, you are always welcome to send a check. And you can email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org, and I would be happy to give you that address. Um, If you are not able to pay to support the show, there are many, many ways that the energy of love and support can manifest to help us to keep us alive and well. And one is to send questions. Another is to um, share the show with others. Another is to encourage others to engage in the ideas in the shows. Whatever it is that you do, do something. Allow that movement in your heart to translate into action so that your heart begins to trust you once again and to know that its stirrings have meaning to you and that you will bring those stirrings into blossoming in the world. So I give thanks to all of those who are already supporting the show and ask you to continue. So today, the topic is, what is a wounded healer? And this is part two in a little series of deeply important concepts that we are grossly misunderstanding in our contemporary world. The first was spiritual warriorship. And today we discuss what is a wounded healer. And next week we'll be talking about um, the hollow bone. And the overall uh, problem that I see as if as we grow less and less embodied in our lives and more and more psychological and intellectual and virtual in our lives, we are beginning to think that the idea of the thing is the thing itself. 
And in terms of life processes, this is not good enough. So the wounded healer, so, and what I talked about uh, with uh, Spiritual Warrior is this idea that somehow being a spiritual warrior, being a wounded healer, being the hollow bone, that these are ideas we can put on and off like hats versus understanding that these are these these are archetypal processes that humans go through constantly continuously and that they are transformational processes that they're not hats that we change that if we truly become the hollow bone that's what we are period we don't switch out of that and put on a different colored hat you know now i'm an annoying um, soccer mom, and when I go to work, I'm a hollow bone. It doesn't work that way. And so um, this is our um, topic today, the wounded healer and how we have come to misunderstand it and how we might come to understand it so that it can function in its um, deep way in our lives. And I did forget to mention that we are live this week, and you are invited to call in. Um, 512-772-1938 is the number here in the States. If you're listening through co-creator.com site, you can click the Skype button and Skype in, or you're welcome to email me your questions at christina at lastmaskcenter.org. So without further ado, let us continue. Okay. Nope, that's not a question. thought I already had a question. I hadn't even started yet. Okay, so we're talking today about the wounded healer and why, might you ask, would we bother? Well, for two reasons. The first is the one that matters the most. You, any of you, anyone, not just people who are healers, you must understand that the wounded healer as an archetype, you must understand the wounded healer as an archetype and have the spiritual warriorship to live that archetypal process if you are ever to know yourself. If you do not, the wound will distort reality for your entire lifetime. I know that sounds overly dramatic, but it is true. That is why this archetypal process keeps coming into your life and annoying you. Because it will, the wound itself causes you to distort reality for your entire lifetime. In other words, if you were victimized in your childhood, until that wound is healed, you will tend to see yourself as a victim and others as a um, those who would victimize. It's very simple. It's not, this is a, not a new concept, but we need to put these two ideas together and understand that you must understand the wounded healer as an archetypal process and have the spiritual warriorship to live that process if you are ever to know yourself. So that's the most important reason. It's not really about becoming a healer. It's about becoming your true self. So the second reason that we should bother to talk about this today is because in your own process of moving through your own healing, your own woundedness and healing that, you will encounter healers to assist you along that path, and which is a lovely thing. And you need to recognize the difference between wounded healers and the healers who are wounded. And this is not semantics. Each of us can learn to feel this energy in others. Wounded healers allow healing to come to you. Healers who are wounded work very, very hard to heal you. Do not be seduced by this. All of that attention and compassion and sincerity feels so good at first. Oh, finally, I have someone who is utterly and completely committed to my healing. 
And like all good seductions, this feels so very, very good. But healers who are wounded need to heal you. That's why they're giving you all of that. It's their need to be the healer and to heal you, which completely takes from you the path of your own healing. You are ultimately going to heal you. The other thing it does by being identified with the role of the healer, the need to heal, is it makes it the need to heal creates the need for someone who needs to be healed, which would be you. And so there's no path here for movement. It's a stagnant situation. Okay, so understand that healers who are wounded need to heal you. Wounded healers allow healing energy to enter. They are a conduit so that you can choose to heal. In an ideal situation, they may assist you to find that path. So let's begin with what appears to be the beginning. Let's start with Jung. So psychologist Carl Jung spoke of the wounded healer quite a bit. And he spoke of it as an archetypal dynamic that described a phenomenon that often takes place in the relationship between your analyst and you. In short, your stuff triggers his stuff. And of course, in Jung's time, the analyst was a him. Uh, Jung considered this a challenge, even potentially a danger for the analyst, because in that time, the analyst was supposed to be some godlike, complete human being in those early days of psychology. So Jung felt that this type of depth psychology, uh, which we would now consider, frankly, more normal, needed, and effective today, could be potentially dangerous because the analyst was vulnerable to having his wounds reopened. Furthermore, if the analyst protected himself against this danger by refusing an ongoing, deep, and effective relationship with his own unconscious, he would over-identify with the healer archetype, which creates arrogance and an inflated ego and thus more ineffective analysis. So in other words, there was this idea that somehow the role of the analyst was challenged by the fact that their own issues would be triggered by working with their clients or patients or whatever they refer to them as. So, but on the other hand, if the analyst protects themselves from that, they are disengaged from an authentic healing process, over-identify again with being the healer, as we've already discussed, and this, this over-identification creates arrogance and being identified with being the healer then also creates an inflated ego, which distorts the whole process and ineffective healing pursuit, uh, continues. So given all of this, um, remember that Jung's thought process is developing at a time when the dominance of men in the culture in and of itself was creating inflated egos. So this is a really... This is a very real danger to any form of effective healing happening through analysis. So this is not um, – it was important that they were looking at, at this and talking about this. So nonetheless, it was Jung who spoke of the necessity of the wounded healer. For Jung, it was in the doctors examining himself. So it was his own hurt that gives a measure of his power to heal. This and nothing else is the meaning of the Greek myth of the wounded physician. And so this is Jung's sense that is in the doctor examining himself. It is his own hurt that gives a measure of his power to heal. Uh, and this and only this is the meaning of the Greek myth of the wounded physician. 
Eh, so we'll see. So then this takes us to Asclepius. So this is one example um, of the wounded healer that Jung may have drawn on, as well as um, Chiron, but I'm getting ahead of myself. So, um, so Jung may have derived his understanding of the wounded healer from the ancient Greek legend of Asclepius. And Asclepius was a Greek physician who, in identification, or I would say um, exploring his own wounds, he created a, and his own ability to heal, he created a healing sanctuary at Epidaurus um, in order to treat others. And in particular, what was unique about these sanctuaries is um, they were about preparing the person who needed healing, who was seeking healing, to dream. And out of that dream came the medicine for what needed to be healed. So this was truly what I'm trying to describe as the wounded healer, the the person who is able through their own path to open the door for you to walk your path. So it was the person who needed healing who was doing the dreaming. And out of that dream came their own medicine. Out of their own dream came their own medicine. And so this is uh, the essence of this healing um, from Asclepius. So he was a physician whose own suffering and vulnerability contributed to the essence of his understanding of the human capacity to heal and the mechanisms of human healing. And so his, his efforts as a practitioner were to support the healing that occurs in a human and how a human could access for themselves and learn from their own woundedness or illness versus being a person someone comes to with all the answers. Okay, so now, um, as we follow Greek mythology, deeper into Greek mythology here, um, Asclepius's mentor is said to have been Chiron. So now we're moving into Greek mythology. And Chiron is a centaur of Greek mythology who, rather uncharacteristics of centaurs, was a wise, who are a bit rowdy, was a wise teacher, healer, and prophet, and actually engaged with humans and gods, unlike which is uncharacteristic of his kind. <clears throat> Excuse me. So before Asclepius, there was Chiron. So we're moving back in time. Um, and he, Chiron then is an even more ancient wounded healer. So Chiron is also suspected to be another of the inspirations for Jung's understanding of the necessity of the wounded healer archetype. So, moving on to Chiron's story. So, Chiron is actually wounded quite a lot. His birth father is the Greek god Kronos, who rapes a nymph and leaves, as Greek gods often do. And um, Chiron's birth mother is appalled to have given birth to a centaur. Now, which, if I actually lived through the process of giving birth to a centaur, I would think it was pretty cool. But, you know, that's me. She, on the other hand, was appalled by his form, and most likely the manner of his conception, granted. Uh, So Chiron is abandoned by his father at conception and then rejected at birth by his mother. So nonetheless, Chiron heals these wounds and goes on to become the mentor of other great healers, a teacher, and a prophet. So he's a great gift to the people. Okay, so later in life, Chiron is off with Hercules carrying on, and Hercules is using arrows coated in the blood of the Hydra, 
which is, you know, big magical monster, which causes painful wounds that never heal. The blood of the Hydra causes painful wounds that can never heal. Once again, we're back in Greek mythology where magic abounds. So Chiron is accidentally wounded by one of these arrows. And in searching for the healing of his own wound, Chiron deepens um, his knowing of how to heal others. And so his own healing wisdom is emerging out of his own need for healing and thus the essence of the wounded healer. So this is the point of Chiron as the wounded healer. His searching for his own healing is a source of his knowledge of healing. The fact that his wound never heals is not the point, not at all. It is important to remember this later in this show. Let's, let's get a grip here, people. We're talking Greek mythology. Chiron is immortal. Thus, he can't die. So there's no transformation through death. And he accidentally receives a wound that could not heal because of the blood of a hydra, a magical monstrous creature. This myth of Chiron does not teach us that some wounds never heal. And that is how some people interpret the essence of the wounded healer. It is a deep, deep misunderstanding that unfortunately I am seeing grow like a really bad virus. So this myth of Chiron, the myth of the wounded healer, does not teach us that some wounds never heal. Now, if your wound involved hydra blood, sure. But, you know, we don't run into that much these days. Chiron healed being the child born of rape. Chiron healed abandonment by his father. He healed utter and complete rejection by his mother. Chiron healed not fitting in with the other centaurs. Chiron became his true self, given none of that good stuff to start out with. So Chiron's story is not the justification for maintaining some wound that will never heal. Chiron's story is not the justification for not healing. Nor does Chiron's story say that we must carry a wound that never heals if we are to consider ourselves healers. The point of the wounded healer arc of transformation is not that I as a healer today maintain an unhealable wound because my powers for healing come out of that unhealable wound. That is not the story of the wounded healer. The lesson Chiron teaches us is that we can overcome our fear and move into the pain, the wounds, and the illness of our lives, no matter what they are, and transform the very wound itself into knowledge. So there you have it. Before Jung before Asclepius, before Chiron, and even before the crystallization of Western thought, there was another wounded healer. Even before Greek mythology, there was the shaman. The shaman is the first and original wounded healer. And the beauty of the shaman is it does not contain the confusion here because Chiron happened to get this wound with the hydra blood in it so it never healed. Because that is really, really becoming a dangerous, dangerous misunderstanding of an, of an archetypal process that is already a shadow process, right? Because 
The wounded healer is the shadow of the healer. So it's already a shadow process. So by definition, as a human being, you're already confused. And now we're adding a misunderstanding of what we're supposed to do ultimately with that confusion. And this is um, causing many contemporary practitioners, especially those that learn their quote-unquote healing techniques without a whole lot of supervision by those who are masterful. Who I can tell you how many people out there hang up a shingle to do alternative healing forms with no mentors. You know, at least Asclepius here, who was Mr. Father of Modern Medicine, had Chiron as a mentor who's a god, you know. And here we have a bunch of humans running around learning a skill set and calling themselves healers, keeping this wounded this wound open so that they can draw their healing energy out of this open sore. It's deeply problematic. And it's confusing for the people who are out there trying to get some health care. So before you had all of this confusion with this crazy hydra wound, right, you had the shaman. And the beauty of the shaman as the wounded healer is that you have no wound that never heals. You have no gods and you have no hydra blood confusing the issue. So the shaman as the wounded healer. So this goes to the functional point of the shaman's actual initiation, not the ceremonies or rituals done by the people to honor the shaman, not the training, not even necessarily the call, the the awakening to it. While sometimes the call and this functional initiation are merged for some people, but the point of the shaman as the wounded healer is that there is some earth-shattering fear, well, that there's an illness or a craziness. So there's a physical illness or a mental illness. And at the root of that is the deepest fear this human being holds. The fear that they are sure if I confront this, I will die. And by stepping into that fear, they do die. And out of that death emerges the healing miracle basically, the medicine that can transform the original surface physical or mental illness. And then the shaman not only has that awareness, but the second piece in this arc of transformation is the courage of heart, the clarity of heart to walk the path of the application of that medicine in their life to heal the physical or mental illness and to come out on the other side. So it's not just the death and the rebirth of the medicine, but it is the courage to use the medicine and change the person that you are in the world. So there's three parts, well, four, because there's the original um, originating presenting physical or a mental illness. So that's the arc of the shamanic initiation. That it, and that is the, the path then of the wounded healer who heals that finds their own way through their own forest, basically, comes out the other side, 
is able to heal physically or mentally, whatever the challenge is. And because they have walked that path, because they have followed the path of their own healing, they are now able to offer leadership to others. And once again, the Taoistic principle, you cannot lead where you have not followed. And in this case, the wounded healer archetype is about following the demands, the requirements of your own illness, your own wound, and not doing what you think needs to be done to it, but surrendering to it and letting it take you on that path. That will, if you're a shaman, frankly kill you so that you can be reborn and be the person who can heal the original illness. And this is true also when we talk about medicine. I think I've done a show about medicine. Should have, if I haven't yet. The idea of picking up your medicine is the same thing. Every medicine, when it's first picked up, is a poison. It kills a part of you and transforms you so that you become the person who can transform that poison into medicine for the people. It's the same idea, the same transformational idea. That is the heart. That is the archetypal essence of the wounded healer um, journey from the shadow of the healer energy, the wounded healer, into healer. It's not about maintaining a wound that never heals so that you can call yourself a healer. That is missing the point entirely. So, for example, um, in many of the different uh, Australian Aboriginal cultures, the illness presents the person is taken and, frankly, sort of thrown into a cave. And in that cave, the initiatory spirits come to the ill person who is showing signs of the shaman illness. And that person alone, no other shamans there, no mentors, no anybody. And at this point, the person isn't even actually trained. Now, relative to a contemporary person, the person actually has more skills around energy than we do. But nonetheless, the point is alone, ill, scared out of your mind in a freaking cave, dark, yikes. And now spirits are coming to you. What do you do? And that is right there. What do you do? That's the arc of the wounded healer. What do you do? Do you work with spirit and the illness itself to find that path forward, to unfold that path forward? Or do you run? Do you bail? Do you freeze in fear? Do you die? Do you go crazy? These are all your options. And that's the point. It's your option. It's your threshold. Forces far greater than you have conspired to give you a threshold to leave behind the self that you are and step through into your true self. The question is, will you make that step? And so in this cave in Australia, all these different activities occur with the spirits the initiatory spirits. And in the process, the person is dismembered and new things are put back in the body. The renewed body goes on a journey to the upper world, I think, if I'm remembering correctly. And eventually, the person emerges, but it's not the same person that went in ill. The person that emerges has been transformed through the experience with, through being willing to face the fears, 
and the core of the illness, which is, of course, the fears, and transform in their relationship with spirit and transform in their relationship with themselves. So a new person emerges who has walked the path of their own healing, their own illness dissipates, and they're able to begin training to become a shaman. Another example is in Nepal, which is more of a mental illness example, um, with those um, shamans who are initiated by the essentially the essential spirit of wilderness, the soul of the child is stolen by the initiatory spirit. And the person left behind becomes um, lethargic, often has no activity, to, no energy to do anything. Mostly they lay around. Sometimes they go through the motions of life. Sounds like contemporary children, doesn't it? Um, go through the motions of life, um, but they're not very much engaged. And they can even tell stories when they finally return of having come back and watched themselves with their family, like having a birthday party and not be able to get through to anybody. So the, the, the body and the spirit that keeps the body alive and the actual soul are disconnected for a period of time. And so the presentation is a kind of energetic, kind of mental illness sort of thing. And in the process, though, the soul is out here learning from spirit, purely engaged in the spirit world. And through that course of that experience, whether or not they just crumble in fear, fall apart, or find their way through the training to ultimately escape. It's not like the spirits go pat them on the head. You've graduated here. Let's take you back to your mommy and daddy. That the, the soul has to learn enough from Banjakri and about Banjakrini, the initiating spirit's wife, to escape them and get back to their own life and their own body. And in the return to the body, the mental illnesses and the energetic illnesses are dispersed and the person can begin to train. The child, still usually fairly young, can begin to train. But sometimes these um, years passed with the soul out of the body. So imagine how that would be diagnosed in contemporary culture, contemporary American culture. So these are examples of profound physical and mental illnesses that are truly transformed through this initiatory experience in these two traditional shamanic cultures. So the function then of initiation is this um, path through the presenting illness, mental or physical, into the fundamental root fear that is, of course, underneath those. And with the assistance of spirit, the part of the person that is scared to death dies. And the part that is willing to move through moves through. And in that, the healing comes. And so the ability to heal doesn't come from the wound itself, but from the ability to walk the path necessary to heal that wound. And in that, from a shamanic, in shamanic wounded healer land, in that what is faced is your greatest fear, the ultimate fear of death or insanity. So now what happens traditionally when this process is incomplete? What if the potential initiate here doesn't walk through the threshold? What if they choose not to go through the door? What happens? Well, a couple things happen. Traditionally, a couple things happen. Sometimes people die in their initiatory process. They are literally 
scared to death. They are unable to go forward. They cannot go back. And in that conflict and inability to release and to surrender, they die. Happens sometimes. More often than not, what happens is the person emerges incomplete in that process. The illness, mental or physical, the illness remains. The path has not been walked. The threshold wasn't clear. Perhaps the medicine was glimpsed. Perhaps the ego death was glimpsed. But in some way, that energy wasn't received in a way that the person can implement it in their lives. So we go from the ability in the shaman to access spirit and that relationship and and receive the download, basically. The second piece, though, is the ability to take that new information and have the courage of heart and the clarity of heart to do something with it. And so there's those two parts there. And what happens often in the initiation, this path of the wounded healer as shaman, is that the the relationship with spirit is present. There's the ability to receive, but the inability to act on the information clearly. The clarity of heart to understand it, to understand how to apply it, or the courage of heart to die and be reborn, to surrender and let it happen. And so what's important to understand then is even in traditional shaman, a shamanism, there is the incomplete initiation. There is the inability to find the path of healing out of the wound. And so this inability to find your way through your own path of healing is present there in traditional shamanic cultures. And it is one definition of actual mental illness from a shamanic perspective. I mean, it's not like shamanism is, is the actual diagnosis of all mental illness, which is another contemporary myth that is growing at frightening pace. That, that all the mental illness we're experiencing here in the contemporary world is shamans waiting to happen. And that's not true. Even in, even in traditional shamanic cultures, there is mental illness. And so what would happen is that the person who didn't die but emerged from that initiatory experience incomplete would be honored forever for their relationship with spirit. But they would never be – no one would ever listen to their interpretation of that information. And uh, they also would be treated like a child. They would be cared for as a gift from spirit because of their connection to spirit. But others would interpret the messages that they get, understanding the bias inherent in the person and their inability to move through their illness. And um, they would be treated like a child. That's the other thing is to not be able to move through that threshold and to be too afraid to step through it leaves, leaves someone from a shamanic perspective in a child, spiritual child state, not a spiritual adult. And so these are ways in which that in a shamanic culture, the wounded healer, uh, the, the, well, the healer energy doesn't move out of shadow. It stays in the shadow of the wounded healer. So I'm just going to share a contemporary story of that, how I really saw this manifest, but I'm kind of running out of time, so I'm going to keep going. I hope that that was clear. So before all of this contemporary nonsense, that's my wound that I cannot heal that makes me a healer, there was this original wounded healer in the shaman. 
And the teaching of the original wounded healer is that I am because I can find my own healing with the help of spirit and by leaving some aspect of my old self behind um, that I am empowered to offer a path of healing for others. So it is only because I can find my own healing with the help of spirit and by leaving um, some aspect of my old self behind that I am empowered to offer a path of healing for others. In short, I can lead because I have followed. I have followed my own path with spirit. Okay. So there's an essay out there in Cyberland um, on reality sandwich, on the reality sandwich site by Paul Levy entitled The Wounded Healer. Now, I don't agree with everything Paul says about shamans because he's way too far into the everybody's a shaman camp for me. But I do agree with almost everything else Paul has to say about anything else. And also, whatever he says, he says brilliantly. I mean, he's, he's a very accomplished writer and he speaks very well of very, very deep ideas with um, only getting a little bit too heady, um, a little bit too disengaged from the body, but not much. He's very good. So this is what Paul says. This is from his essay, The Wounded Healer. One of the deeper underlying archetypal patterns, which is being constellated in the human psyche that is playing itself out collectively on the world stage is the archetype of the wounded healer. To quote Cherney, a colleague, I didn't pronounce that right, but anyway, a colleague of Jung who elucidated this archetype. The wounded healer refers psychologically to the capacity to be at home with the darkness of suffering and there to find gems of light and recovery with which, as though by enchantment, to bring forth Asclepius, the sun-like healer. And in this case, they're looking at Asclepius, the sun-like healer, as the one who symbolizes the healing power and the hidden theophany latent in the wound that is invoked by the light of consciousness, or in other words, our willingness to look. So the archetype of the wounded healer reveals, this is still Paul, the archetype of the wounded healer reveals to us that it is only by willing to face, consciously experience, and go through our wound do we receive its blessing. To go through our wound is to embrace, assent, and say yes to the mysteriously painful new place in ourselves where the wound is leading us. Going through our wound, we can allow ourselves to be recreated by the wound. Our wound is not a static entity, but rather a continually unfolding dynamic process that manifests, reveals, and incarnates itself through us, which is to say that our wound is teaching us something about ourselves. Going through our wound means realizing we will never again be the same when we get on the other side of this initiatory process. Going through our wound is a genuine death experience. It is our old self, um, as our old self dies in the process, while a new, more expansive and empowered part of ourselves is potentially born. So this is Paul speaking of this archetypal process. And then for healers specifically, uh, from the discovery of this path, I understand that I will continue to trans- transform. In other words, someone who's called to healing has this experience Paul is describing and then understands even more deeply from the discovery of this path, this healing path, I, the he- person called to healing, 
understand that I will continue to transform every new thing that arises for healing within me in this way for my entire lifetime. We, the healers, we are not done. We are not godlike. We are not complete as those early psychologists had this idea that perhaps they should be. The best of us do not even identify with the archetype of the healer at all. So let me say that again. The best of us do not even identify with the archetype of the healer at all. We are simply passionately committed to living our soul's purpose. And this is the best vehicle for that ongoing expression of the essence of self. So for people who function in the world as healers, the path of the wounded healer means do not wait for your patient's issues to raise your own. You cannot lead where you have not already followed. And in this case, that means having already followed the path of your own healing. To be responsible to our healing disciplines, whatever they might be, we must actively attend the interface between the self that we are and the self we are becoming. To not heal out of a deep psychological misunderstanding of the arc of transformation and the path of the wounded healer is folly. It actually hurts your patients and your clients, whatever you call them. So first, to not heal misleads them because in any place we are not healed, mentally or physically, we are biased in our interpretation. It clouds our perspective of what is going on. The other thing it does is model for our I call them clients. It models for our clients or patients to be unhealed, to maintain a state of unhealed. It doesn't model for them health and well-being. And so it's a fundamentally hypocritical stance. And ultimately, it will hurt you, especially if your discipline is shamanism. So to maintain this wound as if this is the true source of your capacity to heal as a wound, not as a path that you have followed, but as a wound, will ultimately hurt you. In the early days of my practice, before I was, um, frankly, this outspoken, and because I didn't have experience to stand on, I met a man who was deeply called to shamanism, and I believe was actually being called by the spirit world to practice as a shaman. But he held this misunderstanding of the wounded healer, and he was actually a nurse practitioner in the in the world in his everyday job. And so in both of these jobs, he was the absolute martyr, struggled with addictions, and martyr and the addict are both the shadow of the healer in the, in the teaching that I offer. And that he just kept saying, but this is the path of the wounded healer to draw this healing energy out of this wound. And I kept saying, no, the path of the wounded healer is to heal the wound. You're not out on the other side yet. You must go through that to be able to stand in the place of the healer, not in shadow, but the healer in the light to be able to be that guiding light for others. And I just watched him, no matter what I did in the beginning to assist him, watched him grow sicker and sicker and sicker. And he worked more and more and more, moved deeper and deeper into the shamanism, and it brought him greater and greater ill health. It was very, very sad to watch. So Paul says to this, Paul Levy says to this, it should be noted, however, that the way to this realization, 
you know, of the wounded healer and the, and the actual healing that comes from it, um, is not through bypassing the personal dimension of our experience and artificially identifying with the mythic archetypal level in a contrived and fabricated way. In other words, the path to being the healer is not through bypassing this actually journey he describes so beautifully and identifying, just identifying with the healer in some contrived or fabricated way. But you must walk that path. So why is this important? Well, it's important because of what I've already said about the failed initiation. It is important in a culture in which more and more people are calling their mental illness an initiation into shamanism or that any illness makes us a healer. Not every illness is a shamanic initiation. Not, not even every healing process is initiation because a lot of people avoid the deeper experience of that illness and want simply the drugs or the alternative um, healing practices to just treat the symptoms. I just want to be out of pain. Instead of following the journey, your illness is inviting you to go on. So today, there's far too much claiming that any healing process is a shamanic initiation. No, it's not. It's a healing process of life. As Asclepius taught us in his dreaming temples, that our medicine is within ourselves. So the path or the life process of the wounded healer has meaning in each of our lives with a small W wound and a small H healer. So this, this path of the wounded healer is not just for those of you out there who identify as healers, but that healing brings us into relationship with a part of ourselves we did not know or do not own. This is life. This is real for every one of you. Not every mental illness is a shamanic initiation. This is particularly important today with all these half-baked shamanic trainings everywhere. Plant hallucinogens being used without deep respect and relationship with the spirits of the plants people are merging with. One of the things the 60s taught us people is that indiscriminate drug use opens doors in the wrong order, opens them incompletely, opens them without context, or opens them long before the person is ready to go through them. There is a reason the shamans surrender to the path as it is laid out by spirit even when it doesn't make any sense or goes against ambition. There is a reason. It's so that we can walk this path of our own woundedness into our own healing so that we can know ourselves. So Paul says, again, that our wound is a genuine quantum phenomena. It will destroy us or wake us up. Is it a wave or a particle? The answer depends on how we dream it. So how we conceive of this archetypal path is critical. Paul says, the answer depends on how we dream it. Our wound is not separate from the psyche that is experiencing it. This means that the way we interpret our wound, the meaning we place on it, the story we tell ourselves about it, and thereby ourselves, has an actual effect on how our wound, ourselves, and by extension, the world manifests in this very moment. It matters how you conceive of this. This arc matters. So the wounded healer is the shadow of the healer archetype. So the shadow of the healer archetype manifests in human words, much more close to all of us as the martyr. So how many of you out there as healers have terrible boundaries with your clients? You'll take a client any time. 
they're ready. You don't set your own boundaries around when you want to have appointments. You'll take them whenever they want them. Someone, and how many of you call up, so can you see me today? Would you call a heart surgeon and say, so can you see me today? I mean, your healing is as critical as someone cutting open your heart. You don't say, so can you see me today? You attend to this path. The other place that I see martyrdom in contemporary practitioners is in the lines of responsibility for who's responsible for healing what. People heal themselves. Our path is to open a conduit for healing energy to move in and potentially to guide them along the way to what to do, but we can't do it for them. And then, of course, there is the addict. And this plays out in healers today in many ways, but the main one being addiction and over-identification with the role of the healer itself, which creates people that need to be healed. I mean, that's not helping. So how you, as a consumer of healing, also affects this because people expect their alternative care practitioners to be available at their women whimsy and then not take what their alternative care practitioners offer as advice unless it, of course, comes from an MD. And the MDs aren't going to tell you that. Why aren't you at the MD in the first place? I mean, it's a big circular loop of nobody taking accountability for their own martyrdom and addiction for the own fact that they are in the shadow of the healer archetype and that path must be walked to get out. The, the wound, the illness, the pain is the path. So what does this mean for you? The healer is an archetype. This means that this energy as is, is as present in your life as it is in mind. Where you are wounded, where you are ill, where you are in pain healing awaits you. As Paul says, the most powerful archetypal forces that wound us and become activated in us through our wounding literally challenge us to the core of our being to connect with, become intimately acquainted with, and to step into more empowered aspects of ourselves or else. There is a secret tie between the powers that wound us by seemingly obstructing our true nature and the very true nature that they are appearing to obstruct. When you do not have to have the courage to look there, you are refusing to look at your true self. Whether you think you're a healer or you're just a regular person, when you do not have the courage to look at your own illness, your own pain, your own woundedness, your own discomfort, then you are refusing to look at your true self. When you do not have the spiritual warriorship and the discipline to take the steps necessary to heal, you are abandoning your true self. When you do not know what to do, that's where a healer steps in and can be helpful. A true healer, having walked his or her own path, can help you find what to do. They cannot do it for you. And it is not even the healing that is the point. It is the steps on that healing journey. People heal into death all the time in shamanism. The point is that we are willing to walk that walk. The point is being willing to take the journey into your true self, even if it leads you into the arms of death. The path of the wounded healer for everyone, healer or not, the path of the wounded healer is nothing short of this. 
the path of the wounded healer is the path that you can follow to find your own healing and through that healing to find your true self. So who cares whether or not it makes you a healer? The path of the wounded healer brings you to your own truth. Walk that path while you still have the time to enjoy the fruits of your deepest true self. Walk that time path while you still have the time to enjoy the discovery of who you are. And one of the things that people think is that this healing crisis I'm having, this is the event. But the deeper truth of the archetype, the healer, is that we have in us the innate capacity to heal and that we are constantly called to heal into our true self by this energy in the world. And this energy greets us through illness, through wounds, through pain, through discomfort. And if we can meet that energy and move into it, then we are able to meet that healing energy that is innate in our universe and innate within us. We don't want to go to healers to look for answers. We go to healers to awaken within us our own healer within so that that energy can guide us more deeply and truly into our true self. So thank you, everyone. Thank you for joining me here today. Um, Next week, we'll uh, share the third part of this series and discuss the hollow bone. What does that mean and why should you bother if you're not a practitioner or a person who needs that state of being to do what you do in the world? Why should you care? Why should you listen? So we're going to talk about what the hollow bone means and what it doesn't mean and what the hollow bone, um, what that capacity is within each one of us, that it's not just the special ones, um, but it's the capacity to allow life and to respond to life and to not be uh, pulled off center, snagged and pulled off center by life. Um, We are each capable of creating within ourselves the hollow bone state um, and that state allows us peace and power in the world, no matter what the world decides to do. So I hope you'll all join me next week. For this week, thank you for listening. I want to give thanks to the spirits who have joined us here today, the ancestors and all of the healers in our ancestral line, the earth below, the sky above, and the heart that unites us all. I want to remind everyone that you can subscribe to receive a weekly e-card that reminds you about the show and the topic and has the links for how to get to the show. You just need to email me at Christina at lastmasscenter.org and we'll set you up for that. There is an entirely separate mailing list for Last Mass Center. So to find out about classes with me, you need to get on the big mailing list. Again, you can just email me at Christina at lastmasscenter.org. And also many of you don't know, but much of the healing work that I talk about on the show is available long distance. You don't have to be here with me in Portland, Oregon to receive it. So again, feel free to just email me at Christina at lastmasscenter.org.
Um, for those of you that want archives of the show, you can go to whyshamanismnow.com um, why or to the cocreatornetwork.com um, and see all of the archive shows um, since we've begun producing the show with Co-Creator. So thank you, everyone. Have a great week and um, look at where is the illness, where is the discomfort, where is the pain, where is the wound that you carry and invite it to go with you on the journey to discover your true self. Thank you all.